You're listening to The J.D. Rucker Show. Let's begin. If you were like tens of millions of Americans over the weekend and into Christmas Day on Monday, chances are you weren't paying a whole lot of attention to the news. You, you were probably taking the break that you needed. We've all, many of us at least, have needed a break for, for a while. We haven't been getting much of a break. And I'm not just talking about financially or, or you know, with the socio-craziness that's happening across the nation or anything like that. I'm just talking about just a flat-out emotional break away from the news. Now, there are many people that just don't pay any attention at all, and, and they do that for whatever reason. If you're watching the show, listening to me, chances are you're one of those people that, that does pay attention to the news. And if you took a break, I don't blame you, okay? it's We all need a break from time to time. I know I need one. But I wasn't taking a break. I was monitoring the the news of the the, the country and the world over over the weekend and even on Christmas Day. You know, when I say I need a break, I will admit I am I I acknowledge that this weekend and Christmas Day really demonstrated to me just how blessed I am to have the family that I have that they are understanding they do know that uh, that time is precious that the things are going crazy and that I need to be as close to the ideological front lines as possible even on on days like Christmas Day especially when we had everything that was happening. Uh, in the Middle East and as well as in New York City itself. NYPD was engaged in what I believe to be probably the opening volley of the, the first escalation here in the United States by Hamas. Now, let's be clear about something. Hamas, you know, there are no true just, oh, you know, freedom freedom seekers or whatever they want to call themselves, the, the Free Free Palestine anti-Zionist groups out there that are making their their noise making their moves across the country. They are they're Hamas. They're at the very least they're Hamas proxies. But until I see any of them, well, just one of them, okay, just one of them, saying you know we Hamas needs to free the hostages and then there needs to be a ceasefire. Hey, maybe I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But everybody else is just ceasefire, ceasefire, ceasefire. Okay, not a single one of them ever, ever asks or or demands or anything. For Hamas to return the people that they preemptively stole, kidnapped, the ones that they're currently torturing, raping, at the very least imprisoning, many times killing. No, no, no. Those people aren't important to the anti-Zionists. Those are the people that are, you know, that's just, they, they deserve it, or it's their fault, or it's Israel's fault that they're in that situation. It, it, it bugs me to death. But we're going to talk about that. That's going to be a, a big topic. But first and foremost, I think... Uh, I think now's the time to to bring up a totally separate issue, just because it's been it's been fresh on the mind really for the last couple of weeks. And if you've been watching my show, you know that I talk about it a lot. Nikki Haley, she has essentially become the the Uniparty Swamp's uh, savior. She is the person that they anticipate to be the the closest to Donald Trump. Now, don't get me wrong; I don't want to. Uh, pass any any fear along because I have no fear of Nikki Haley actually being able to beat Donald Trump. But let's be let's be fair. If she is the the backup, we'll say if she's able to fully officially usurp Ron DeSantis as the the fallback in case something does happen to Trump, in case the deep state is able to use lawfare or whatever means necessary to prevent Donald Trump from being the Republican nominee. If that person, if that that role of backup quarterback essentially falls onto Nikki Haley, that would be an absolute utter disaster. Okay, I'm not a DeSantis fan. Okay, 
I'm not a supporter, I should say. I, I, I am a fan of some of the stuff that he's done down in Florida. It's not like I'm a DeSantis hater. I, I like Ron DeSantis, okay? I've met Ron DeSantis. I think that he's a good guy. Decent guy. <laughs> Let's take it down a notch. I think he's a pretty decent guy. But with that said, you know, he's not, I would not, I would not vote for him over Donald Trump, but I would vote for him twice <laughs> if that were legal ahead of Nikki Haley. And I think we all need to, to adopt a certain, I don't know what you want to call it, a strategy of pulling back away from Ron DeSantis as far as our attacks. If you're a Trump supporter and you are trying to go up against his, his competitors, Ron DeSantis ain't the one anymore. It is Nikki Haley. They've made that clear. Over the weekend, there was at least two. I saw two, um, but there was at least two articles in the New York Times. And whenever you want to know what the Uniparty Swamp wants to do, you look to two sources. You look to the New York Times or the Washington Post. Those are the feeders that go out. They, they basically, they, they get the, the larger message. I'm not talking about clips. I'm not talking about, you know, 30-second rants or two-minute rants from some guest on MSNBC or Fox News or whatever. Those are, those are different. I'm talking about when you want to see what the messaging is that's being sent down from the Uniparty Swamp, uh, whether on their own or on orders from the globalist elite cabal, you turn to the New York Times or Washington Post. The New York Times had two articles over the weekend. One of them basically saying, well, actually, technically three, three articles. One of them was was basically saying that Ron DeSantis is in, his campaign is in hospice care. And that's a very strong visual and emotional status. That's that was in, that's the type of verbiage that they only use when they're really trying to hammer it home. They're trying to say, the message they're trying to portray is Ron DeSantis' camp, he's can't, he can't win. He can't beat Trump. And he probably can't beat Haley. And to follow it up, you call it the the uh, the the chaser. You got the shot of uh, Ron DeSantis can't win, and then you have the chaser of Hey, but Nikki Haley is looking really good. Nikki Haley's strong. There's, again, we're talking about three articles over the weekend from the New York Times. That is the message they're sending out, and that's the message that they've been been telegraphing for a while. We saw this when when corporate media and even many, if not most, in, in conservative media didn't even blink an eye when Nikki Haley was meeting with Jamie Dimon over at J.P. Morgan Chase or when Nikki Haley was meeting with Larry Fink over at BlackRock. Okay, all, all of a sudden, you know, BlackRock has been kind of the, the boogeyman, and, and rightly so. I'm not saying that they're not, they're not really that bad. I'm saying that they have been attacked in many ways uh, by conservative and alternative media for the last three or four years, maybe longer. But all of a sudden, when they meet with Nikki Haley, I didn't see, I saw very, very few publications out there that were even mentioning. And I'm talking about conservative and alternative media. I'm not talking about corporate media. So I don't know what's going on. All I know for sure is that they're trying to make Nikki Haley happen. And as much as I don't want to think about or even consider the possibility that the deep state can successfully take out Donald Trump, we have to acknowledge that it's possible. We cannot dismiss it as a, you know, it's, it's, it's Trump or nothing, you know. We can't. That would be that'd be dumb. It'd be like either it's Trump or it's Biden or Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom. That's it. None of the other Republicans. No, we can't be like that. We can't. And I'm not talking about anything that has to do with stack uh, with uh, ranked voting or anything like that. I'm just saying that that who we want. If you are a, a an America First MAGA Republican. You might despise Ron DeSantis, and I don't blame you if you do. But you have to hold him as the better backup quarterback in case of disaster than Nikki Haley. He's the, you know, if 
if emergency break glass, that that backup quarterback, that that uh, that emergency pick would have to be Ron DeSantis. I would take Vivek Ramaswamy over Nikki Haley as well. I just don't think he has a chance. And do I trust him? No. <laughs> but again, I know with a certainty that Nikki Haley would be an absolute disaster. Could she beat Biden? Maybe. Probably not. Probably not. Let's face it. She probably couldn't beat anybody. Uh, she's just not that likable. She has. She is. Uh, the, what uh, Vivek Ramaswamy called her Dick Cheney in, in three inch heels. Of course, he was also referring to to <laughs> to Ron DeSantis in that way. But I prefer to look at her. I've seen a lot of connections over on Red State and other other uh, conservative publications equating her to the rights version of Hillary Clinton. And I think that's a fair assessment. I think she really is very much like Hillary Clinton, and not just because they're both women. It has nothing to do with that. I'm talking about ideological. I'm talking. They're both warhawks. They both have been, they always have been, always will be. They're both insanely unlikable. For people who should be likable, they just come across as you just don't want to hear them talk. You just want them to kind of shut up. And the problem is that she's not going to shut up. They're going to push her and push her and push, push her. And while we continue, many of us will continue to campaign for Donald Trump, and some of you will, will be campaigning for Ron DeSantis. If you're out there saying, oh, you know, Nikki Haley might be the best choice, Look, I don't know what you're listening to me for because I talk about things like freedom. I don't want to talk about somebody who has is, who is multiple times declared that she wants to make the Internet take away anonymity from the Internet. She wants to make sure that everybody everybody who's on social media, they've got to have a photo ID, preferably a digital ID. I mean, she's a globalist. She espouses globalist ideologies left and right. She will throw in a mildly Republican or mildly conservative talking point within the mix or to justify it, right? But at the end of the day, she's not. She's not a, a conservative. She's barely a Republican. And if you want to classify her as a Republican, you have to do so in the in the vein of Dick Cheney and, and people like that. Okay? She's a Bush person, basically. If you I mean, and honestly, you, you want to hear the the I this is the, the greatest insult that I think I could ever throw at somebody. If Jeb Bush Mounted an emergency campaign, and it was between him and Nikki Haley. I would take Jeb Bush. That's how much Nikki Haley concerns me. Not good stuff, folks. Not good stuff. Today's show sponsored by Genesis Gold Group. Genesis Gold Group is is my longtime sponsor. They've been been helping me. They make this show possible. And we're going to use a slightly different URL than many of you are used to today, just because I want to, we're big on, on checking and testing and tracking, not tracking, not tracking. <laughs> we're definitely not tracking you, but tracking the results of these, these little campaigns that I do. And those who are in, in concerned about what's happening with the economy should contact Genesis Gold Group today. Okay. Whether you have a retirement, whether you have cash that you're you're not happy about it being in the banks because the banks are are concerning you have an old ira or an old 401k or even a current ira or you know government government uh retirement account you should take a look at moving your assets part of them at least into physical precious metals and that's where genesis gold group comes in i've worked with with multiple gold companies in the past i've investigated a whole lot more a total of 31 to to be <laughs> transparent I've looked at 31 different companies. Some of them claim to be Christian. Some of them claim to be conservative. Genesis Gold Group is a Christian conservative company. They do believe in America first. They do believe in the Bible. 
and there's I mean it's literally Genesis from the Bible. <laughs> okay, there's, they're not uh, not pretending this is the real deal. And as I noted on their landing page, which you can find at protectwealthnow.com, they are a faith-driven precious metals company. They they help Americans protect their life's saving from threats facing our nation. So go check them out at protectwealthnow.com. So the big news over the weekend was the uh, was the rioting that was happening in New York City. Now, I am a little bit disappointed in uh, most in conservative and alternative media for not calling it a riot. I think that that uh, maybe we set our bar too high. Maybe we've been so so used to riots, including a whole bunch of looting and a whole bunch of buildings getting burnt down, cities getting burnt down, people getting murdered. We, we've we've set our definition of riot, I guess, too high. The bar is too high to to call it a riot, but it was a riot. Okay, there was violence, there was vandalism, there were people that were outraged that were were causing mayhem and destruction. It was a riot. I've seen the videos. And I think that if you were to watch all the videos, you would say, yeah, that's definitely a riot. Okay. Um, I'm not going to play those videos here. Not for any other reason, because I don't have time to edit them. I would have to go through and uh, bleep a whole bunch of it because there's a whole lot of cursing going on. And that's just not my thing. I don't, I don't bleep. I don't, uh, I, I don't, well, I do bleep. I don't, I don't curse on the show. This has got to be radio friendly. And perhaps more importantly, you know, it's, um, it would just, it was a lot of it, all right? So I decided, you know what, just don't play those videos. It doesn't make for good radio anyway, because all of this is a bunch of people screaming at each other. But you did have uh, the anti-Zionist protesters attacking cops, you had the cops trying to fight back, okay? You had the um, um, the Free Palestine people going up head-to-head in, in some cases against the, the, pro, the, the pro-Israel people, uh, the small smaller group of counter-protesters that were... That were small, but but pretty pretty darn uh, uh, spunky. I mean, they they were they were they were angry. It was and rightly so. But I want to talk about rioting in general and the rioting that's going to be coming. We'll get into the ideology of probably later on in the show. But I want to first start with forget. I don't care. You could be an anti-Zionist. You could be pro-Israel. You could be be two-state, one-state, whatever solution. I don't. That's not important. What's important here is that a lot of people are starting to see riots in our future, and they're not wrong. Now, where they are, I would say maybe not wrong, but but at least not seeing the big picture, is that this isn't just about the elections. But let's start with that that premise. Let's start with with um, with the elections because that can that can definitely. I mean, that that is number one. That's a component. Number two, it, I can understand why a lot of people, especially conservatives, patriots, would see this as the, the reasoning behind the riots, and I'll explain to you why that's not necessarily the case. But let's go to this article by David Linfield over at slaynews.com. Great folks over there. And this was written the day before, by the way. This was written on Christmas Eve, so this is before the riots. Citizens urge to prepare as 2024 election riot season draws near. <laughs> Point made right there. Uh, as the 2024 election draws near, many are expecting corporate media outlets to be dominated by reports of widespread rioting in Democrat-led cities across the country. As we've seen in America's recent uh, major election cycle, these leftist riots have almost become key components in Democrats' campaigns. It is now impossible to ignore that the left has opted to replace the traditional uh, politics of constitutional government with the revolutionary politics of disruption. Whether the the topic is the Israel-Hamas war, election fraud, climate change, gun control, policing, or the latest transgender craze, the left is convinced 
It can win the day with mostly peaceful violence, property destruction, looting, sabotage, and intimidation. This is the politics of civil resistance, a series of organizing strategies researched and identified for the purpose of overthrowing governments in places like Serbia and Burma. Features featuring protests, strikes, boycotts, and other actions intended to look like the they represent a popular majority when in fact they constitute only a, a, a minuscule percentage of the population. While red state governments crack down on unlawful and criminal acts, it's crucial they remain fully committed to supporting and protecting the free speech rights of all citizens. And that's an extremely important point. I do believe when, if and when, and I'll say when, because I don't think it's an if anymore, when they come after us, we already saw, as I mentioned, Nikki Haley before, when they come after us, okay, when they come after us from a free, from a First Amendment perspective, from a free speech perspective, it's not going to be one-sided. It will be bipartisan. We have to understand that. We have to see that as what's what's going to take place we have to recognize that there will the uniparty swamp is going to be acting in lockstep both democrats and republicans on both uh, and with the exception of the radicals on the left and the quote-unquote radicals on the right there will be it will be bipartisan calling for certain changes we'll say certain limitations certain restrictions to what we can say what can be said what can be done again we're already seeing it from nikki haley she's unabashed about her, her desire to remove online anonymity, essentially. And that's just one component of it. So very astute of slaynews.com to point that out, that uh, that we need to, to watch for it. And we need to make sure, even in red states, that we're not shooting ourselves in the foot for the sake of making sure that nobody's nobody's going after, you know, engaged in, in DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusive practices, that nobody is, is, is promoting Hamas or or condemning Israel or anything like that. Folks, look, if somebody wants to say, and this is going to be one of those statements where people will, will call me out for it, you can always call me out by going to jdrucker.com slash talk. That gets to me directly, jdrucker.com slash talk. Uh, but people will call me out for saying, oh, you know, if somebody says, say uh, the words, whatever, from the river to the sea, is that disgusting, hateful? Absolutely. Is it free? Is it protected? Can government intervene? No. That's free speech. That's 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 a protected statement. Then people say, well, where's the line drawn? The line is drawn when there's a reasonable expectation that it can draw uh, direct direct violence, direct uh, criminal behavior as a result of those words. That's it. Okay. You can't say things that will cause a crime. You can say things. That, I mean, Hamas isn't sitting there thinking, hmm, you know, should we or should we not hate Israel and try to kill all the Jews? Well, let's see what Bob is saying on social media in Cincinnati. Well, Bob says from the river to the sea, so I guess guess that's what we're going to do. You get the point. The point I'm trying to make is that, that when it comes to free speech, we have to protect that above most other things. The only thing that's more important than free speech as far as the Constitution is concerned, and people are going to say, oh, he's going to say Second Amendment. I'm not going to say Second Amendment. What I'm going to say is freedom of religion, that aspect of it, and, and I'll explain why probably today, maybe tomorrow. But at some point this week, I'll explain why freedom of religion, the, that aspect of the First Amendment is, number one, it's the one they're attacking the most, just doing it quietly and behind the scenes. It's not getting nearly the attention that it deserves, but it is it is getting attacked. But number two, because we look at it as what can what can directly affect us, and right now everybody would be affected by attacks on 
on free speech. And probably 70, 80 percent of us would be affected by attacks on the Second Amendment. So I understand why those are important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to downplay that. I'm just saying that they're going to they are going to really come after us on the free speech front. And we need to to stand true with being as close to absolutists as possible. Again, I'm not one of those who says that you should be able to say whatever you want, even if it's going to to cause physical harm to somebody else. You know, you should be, you, you, it's not protected speech to say, you know, point that guy, you know, that guy, that Jew over there, let's go kill him. And then mom goes and kills him. You know, hey, I didn't kill him. I, I just said, I just uttered the words. You know, that's free, free protected speech. Okay. Granted, they went and killed him as a direct result of me saying, let's go kill him. But hey, First Amendment, you know, you get the idea. You cannot, you cannot take uh, free speech all the way through to criminal activity. But anything short of that, okay, I don't care how hideous it is. Okay. I don't care how, how whatever. If it's, if it's disgusting but not causing criminal activity as a result of, of speaking the words, it is protected. People say you can't say, you know, oh, but they're calling for, you know, uh, they're calling for genocide. That's genocide is illegal. They're calling for genocide. So therefore, again, it has to have a reasonable expectation of having that effect. Trust me, when, I, when I'm protecting you, by the way. When I say, when I when I draw the line, probably a little bit uh, further away than than I would say most Republicans would. For, I'm drawing the line to you know saying to allow a lot more free speech than than many, if not most, Republicans would allow because you don't want it turned against you, and it will be turned against you. They want you to want to sh to hush, uh, you know the whatever the the anti-Zionists or whoever anybody. They want you to want to hush those people because then they can hush you back on something that you feel is like, wait, no, I should be able to say that. Oh, no, 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 don't forget. You know, we can't say this about about Hamas. We can't say this about the Jews. So you can't say that about whatever it is you want to talk about. It is a protection for you that I'm that I'm fighting that portion of the fight. So go ahead, send me the hate mail, jdrucker.com slash talk, and I will happily, happily read and, and probably respond to at least some of you if I if I can, because uh this is one of those things where it's it's not just a simple a simple you know it's crystal crystal clear you know when it comes to the border okay we have it's crystal clear we need to stop the border surge we need to stop we need to deport illegal aliens I don't think you're going to find a whole lot of Republicans there might have been you know four or five years ago there might have been plenty of Republicans who were like oh I don't know if we should deport everybody maybe we should look into to some sort of you know bounce back amnesty or something like that today it's like oh my gosh it's it's a mess just just Get rid of them. Get rid of them. There's too many of them. We can't handle it. We can't handle it. <laughs> I smile and I laugh. Um, but this was foreseeable. This has been foreseeable for a long time. This has been foreseeable since we saw what happened in the 80s with Reagan and amnesty. Did that solve the problem? No, it did not. It, it created more problems. And I know there are those out there that, oh, my gosh, did you say something bad about Ronald Reagan? What am I doing listening to this, this, uh, this guy? <laughs> Sad reality is, and I love Reagan. Okay, I think Reagan, Reagan was was uh, one of the two best presidents we've had in my lifetime. But uh, but I am, I would argue that I'm definitely to the right of Ronald Reagan on a lot of issues. Anyway, back to this one. So we're talking about 
we're talking about the, the writing. The, the, when the writing comes, it's not going to be just about the election. That's going to be what everybody focuses on, especially on the right. We're going to be like, oh, they're trying to steal the election through, through these riots and, and this, that, or the other. That's not going to be the, the case. Again, that's a cherry on top. The real reality of these riots that they're going to be, be prompting is they're trying to divide us. And I'm not just talking about Joe Biden dividing us or, or Barack Obama dividing us or, oh, you know, we don't like our neighbors. I'm talking about dividing us to the point of, well, let's call it civil war, but in reality, it would be more of a revolutionary war that would spark from that. I'll talk about that again some other time because I have to make a clear distinction and it takes takes too long. But that we will be literally fighting each other. This is the weakening of the United States of America. This is tendering us up for whatever plans they have. And could this turn into the spark that actually leads to our, our own implosion? Absolutely. Between the border crisis, the terrorists that are already here, the advancement of the anti-Zionist movement here in the United States of America, accelerating to the point that they're now riding against the, the largest police force in the nation and somehow able to win. Okay, were there arrests? Absolutely. But you can't call that a victory for NYPD. They had, they had uh, um, many injuries. They had lots of destruction. They weren't able to contain the situation. Again, if you watch the videos, you'll see that they tried. They did a, they did a great job with what they had, but they couldn't contain the situation. And unfortunately, because it happened in New York, you know, because this is a, a leftist cause, the, the whole free, free Palestine, anti-Zionist cause, I know there's plenty on the right that, that feel the same way, but I'm just saying that, that for the most part, what you're seeing is a leftist cause this is being pushed by the globalists. And as a result, you're not going to see a whole lot of, a whole lot come from this, not, not to dissuade them. Are there going to be some charges filed? Oh, I'm sure there will be. Okay. They, they don't want... To they know that the the attention is going to be paid to this, and they don't want to to you know they know that they're going to hear about oh so so this grandma walked through walked through the Capitol building peacefully, and she's in jail for six years, and you got this dude over here who punched a cop, and he's got on probation. How is that fair? They don't want that. So there are going to be I would assume some charges filed, but it's not going to be enough to dissuade anything. It's not going to be anybody, nobody, none of these uh, anti-Zionists groups anywhere in the nation, anywhere in the world are going to say, oh, you know, that's, look what, look what happened in New York. We better back off. No, those, they're going to say, look what we did in New York. We need to double down. We need to triple down. That's why I say, get out of the cities, get out of the cities now. But again, they're going to say, it's all about the election. It's all about the election. Uh, and when I say they, we're going to be saying that many on, on the right are going to be saying that probably saying that right now. It's not, that's just the cherry on top. The real goal here is to is to divide us to the point that we really, truly, legitimately are prepared to fight each other all the way. This is planting a seed. This is normalizing the idea for whatever they have planned next. And I don't know what they have, and I shouldn't say next, whatever they have planned when it really hits. This is where you got to put on your tinfoil hat a bit. But I do believe that there is a plan in place. We're seeing the, the early stages of it. There's a plan in place to destroy America from within. That plan includes all of the things that I've mentioned and many more. And that plan is going to, the, the, the blow-up point so that they can, quote-unquote, get away with it, will be somewhere around the election, either before the election, depending upon how polls go. It could be before the election. It could be during the election, literally on election day. Okay? Again, depending upon how the polls go. And it could be, I would say, it's almost certainly going to happen after the election. 2025 is going to be insane. It really will be. Like people, I hate pointing out dates, especially as it pertains to Bible prophecy or whatever. 
But 2025 and 2026 could be the end of the United States of America as we know it. This is why I do these shows like this. I'm not trying to be a fear monger here. I'm not trying to 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 get you to 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 do anything other than be aware and be prepared. Aware, prepare. Aware, prepare. Yeah, I should make that a slogan of the show. Be aware, be prepared. Uh, get ready, get out of the cities. Get your food, water, ammunition, meds, Bibles. Get 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 barter material. Get you know start localizing. It's funny. I'm not kidding. I was reading today. There was an article in New York Post yesterday about a uh, a couple. They they sold everything they had. Now they're they're on cruise ships. They literally they live on cruise ships. They bounce around from cruise ship to cruise ship. They got their cruises booked all the way through like December of 2025 or something like that. Maybe it was 2024, but still, they bought a a cabin on one cruise ship. Like they own the cabin. They they're like, yeah, we can decorate it any way we want. And they're like, and it's cheaper. Then we were, then we were owning a home and paying this, paying taxes and paying this. They get the food included. They get everything included. It's, I'm, I went to my wife, you know, and I'm like, hey, what do you think of this idea? <laughs> well, well, um, America's imploding and and Middle East is blowing up and Ukraine and Russia and Europe and Australia and everywhere else, Central America, South America, Africa, Europe. The only place safe place is going to be. It's probably going to be like number one. You you probably be safer out in the rural areas, maybe up in the mountains, maybe in your own homestead or bunker or whatever. Okay, apparently Mark Zuckerberg thinks you'll be safer in Hawaii. I don't know what he knows, but that doesn't seem like a you know you don't want to exactly be on an island that's that's known for a lot of bad potential things, including being in the midst of the Ring of Fire, including having regular fires coming down through green beams or whatever, tsunamis, whatever. I hey his call. He he wants to be there, but yeah, I mean bunker somewhere, great. Um, ocean somewhere, like on a cruise ship or, or on your own ship, just just out there doing your thing, or like Antarctica, and that's it. Okay, that's it. I mean, if you're in, I don't care if you're in a red state, blue state, red city, blue city, suburbs. I don't think that we're going to be safe in 2025 and 2026. I really don't. So that's why I keep trying to tell people get ready, get prepared. <sighs> Sorry. Debbie Downer, oh bother, we're all gonna die. I don't think that, by the way. I want to be clear. When I fight this good fight, when I when I tell you these things, it's not to say, you know, we're all doomed. It's to say things are going crazy. Take action now, okay? I used to live in Oklahoma. The uh, whenever there was a tornado, there was tornado watches, then there was tornado warnings, and when Gary England would come on the air and say, you know, the tornado is hitting. If you're in this city, this this town, this this county, go to your shelters now. Take action now. That's what I'm saying. Now, we're still, I believe, in tornado watch level, you know, whatever. We're close to being in tornado warning level as far as the, the United States being in, in trouble. And we're. I would much rather, because it's not something, you know, when they say take shelter now because the... The tornado is, is bearing down on you, okay? So take sh taking shelter means going out your door and going to the, the shelter and getting inside. It should take 30 seconds, two minutes, whatever. Getting prepared, which means getting yourself and your family uprooted out of the city, out of the suburbs. That's not something that's just, oh, okay, so yeah, we're good to go. One of these days, I'm going to have to do a show that talks about 
how to get prepared. And I'm not talking about buying this or, or you know, uh, getting getting your skills situated. I'm talking about how to, you know, what steps you need to take if you're living in the city today. If you have a little bit of money, a lot of money, no money, you know, what can you do? What's the best scenario? That sounds like it would be a good show to do. It might sounds like it's actually going to take more than one show. Uh, let's go to a break. Let's talk about beef during that break. And then when I come back, we'll uh, we'll get more into the ideological aspect of this whole this whole shenanigans. Let's see what is the next story? Yeah, we'll talk about U.S. strikes back in Iraq uh, after three troops injured in multiple attacks. We'll we'll be right back. Whether it's bugs or lab-grown meat or whatever they're pushing for the sake of climate change to replace good old-fashioned pasture-raised beef, uh, they're pushing it. They're pushing it hard, and it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to realize that that we need to start stocking up on long-term storage beef. You can do that by going to freedomfirstbeef.com. That's freedomfirstbeef.com and using promo code JDR. You will get freeze-dried ribeye, freeze-dried New York Strip tenderloin, uh, and of course their original steak product. And with 15% off, it's time. These are the, the, this is sous vide, so it's already cooked. It's freeze-dried. It's got 10 to 25 years shelf life without refrigeration, of course. So go check it out, freedomfirstbeef.com, and start stocking up on long-term storage beef today. Promo code JDR. Don't forget that part. <laughs> So we see what's happening here in the United States. We saw that yesterday on Christmas Day. Uh, but th- also yesterday, there were some other events that were taking place in the Middle East. And there's, a, well, there's a story. I actually don't have it here. <laughs> I don't have it in my notes. But there was a story. Israel attacked and hit, I believe it was in Syria, as I recall. Uh, they were able to take out one of Iran's top military leaders. And Iran has threatened to to fight back, to to counter the attack and you've got troop movements you've got missiles going moving it looks like it's going to get uglier than it already is and that this isn't going to just be israel going into gaza or having to defend off lebanon it could we could start seeing more direct action from iran itself possibly from syria though i doubt it we'll see how depends on how how well armed they are uh this could really blow up much into a much bigger conflict than what we're seeing and unfortunately the united states is now getting more and more involved um where it's this is the part when people ask me you know why are you so against aid for israel or or having our our um aircraft carrier groups there or anything like that it's because i don't want to be a target and we will be a target if we are there then then we're going to be a target and i don't want american blood shed as a result of us helping out our allies they don't need our help at this stage they really don't, okay? They don't need aid. They they can buy weapons from us. They have the resources to, to be there. Our presence ideologically is enough, in my humble opinion, when you combine it with the protections that we can give them through the United Nations, the, the intelligence that we can give them. We can, we can help them without putting ourselves at risk. And I'm not a fan of putting Americans at risk for foreign wars. Just not a fan. Not an isolationist, but... You know, I want to get involved only when we absolutely positively have to get involved. And there haven't been a whole lot of occasions in 
decades where we actually have to get directly involved. Iraq, Afghanistan, should never have happened, but that's a whole other discussion. But it looks like we are already getting involved. <laughs> Back to Iraq, as a matter of fact. According to this article, we have it posted. It's from the Epoch Times. Caden Pearson over there. We have it cross-posted with permission, of course, over at discernreport.com. U.S. strikes back in Iraq after three troops injured in multiple attacks. Early on Monday, a one-way drone targeted a U.S. base in Iraq where Americans' forces are stationed, leaving one U.S. soldier in critical condition. Now, I want to be – this has been coming up lately, and I actually had somebody ask me why, uh, what it was, so I want to be clear. When we're talking about drones, there's no you know, individual single – type of drone warfare there are multiple types of drone warfare and when they talk about the uh these one-way one-way drones these are essentially they're they're like low low uh, lower lower speed missiles but they're controlled remote controlled okay these are they're basically call them suicide drones if you will you know a lot of times when we hear a drone attack um sometimes especially in the united states we use the drones where or we send them over there they they shoot their their missiles and then they come back okay that's that's the drones that we're used to seeing these one-way drones they're intended to go and they are the bomb okay they are the missile so that's why they mean by one-way drone just a quick quick military tutorial there okay so according to this article by caden pearson over the epoch times U.S. military forces executed strikes on three facilities used by Kataib Hezbollah in Iraq on Monday in response to multiple attacks against coalition forces in Iraq and Syria that injured three U.S. troops. Under the command of U.S. Central Command, CENTCOM, the U.S. military airstrikes facilitated uh, targeted, sorry, <laughs> targeted facilities used by Kataib Hezbollah and its affiliate groups in Iraq at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time on Christmas. Early in the day, a one-way drone targeted a U.S. base in Erbil, Iraq, where American forces are stationed, resulting in injuries among U.S. personnel, according to the White House National Security Council. Now, this is what I'm talking about, okay? This is one – I guarantee you with 100% certainty that Iraq or Hezbollah would not have been able to injure American troops in Iraq if our American troops were not in Iraq. Just saying. Back to the article. U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin confirmed that Joe Biden ordered the retaliatory strikes in response to a series of attacks against U.S. personnel in both Iraq and Syria perpetrated by Iranian-sponsored militia. And I'm not going to read his quotes. Bottom line is that it is, it is in the process of escalating as we speak. Um, and that's not just Israel. That's our involvement as well. According to uh, Michael Snyder over at uh over at uh, this was from where was this from this was from oh i didn't post where it's from bad on me this is from end of the american dream i need to add that to the article i always always attribute always attribute i don't care if you got permission to to post an article i always put the attribution at the very beginning of the article so people know who's where where they can find the source and in this case michael snyder i, I have communicated with him before and, and so and i appreciate probably 85 percent of his perspectives so um Anyway, I'll fix that. <laughs> Apologies, Mr. Schneider. But this article, 2024 will be a year of catastrophic, catastrophic war in the Middle East. And again, I've said 2025, 2026. I do believe that, that this will be one of the precursors to all the horrible events that may or may not be coming. The horrible events that we should pray do not happen. 
just as Daniel prayed for for Israel, we should pray these events that are concerning us, that are on the horizon, pray that they they can be stopped, and we should do whatever we can to stop them as well. But some things we just it's above our pay grade. You know, I use the example all the time of how do you protest against the World Economic Forum? What are you gonna go to Davos? Are you gonna bring bring an army? You know, what are you gonna do? Are they gonna care even if you didn't have a sign? I mean, these guys, whatever. Anyway, according to the article, the war in the Middle East that began in 2023 is going to go to an entirely new level in 2024. As you will see below, fighting along Israel's northern border has escalated. Israeli Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has publicly stated that he plans to finish the conflict in the south before dealing with Hezbollah, but he may not have a choice in the matter. Hezbollah forces... Uh, continue to fire at targets in northern Israel, and the IDF continues to carry out strikes in response. In fact, it uh, it is being reported that the IDF just attacked a Hezbollah military headquarters in Lebanon. Um, and that's that's being reported by Times of Israel. Meanwhile, uh, the we are being told that an IDF strike in Damascus has killed a senior Iranian military commander. And this is the part that concerns me. Once Iran gets involved, it's going to be practically impossible for us to not get involved. Can Israel handle Gaza? Absolutely. Piece of cake. We don't need to send them aid to help them get rid of, of Hamas. Okay? We don't. Can they handle Lebanon and Hezbollah? Yes, they can. Even with Iran's support... They, you know, that support is not enough to allow um, Lebanon and Hezbollah, Hezbollah-controlled Lebanon, to be able to to cause major, to, to be able to essentially invade. Okay, Iran is a different story. Iran could pose a tremendous threat. For all we know, and we, and I don't care what any UN inspectors say. But in the in the three years that Joe Biden has been there, it is very possible, I would dare say likely, that Iran is close to, if not already in possession of, nuclear weapons. We wouldn't know if they were. I'll tell you that up front. And, and, and we've been hearing, there have been reports, stories coming out of all sorts of news sources, mainstream media, alternative media, whatever. People have talked about, oh, you know, and you hear the Pentagon talk about all the time, you know, I've <clears throat> Lebanon, or I'm sorry, uh, Iran has been two weeks to a month away from having nuclear weapons for the last two years, okay? I've been hearing these reports every month or two. There's a new report, you know, Iran is is 16 and a half days away from, from possessing a nuclear weapon. It's like, number one, how do they know this? Number two, they don't know this. Number three, why are they telling us? And number four, if it were true, if Iran, if and when Iran has nuclear weapons, we're not going to be told, okay? We're not going to be told until after they're destroyed. It's one of those things where once you once you make it real by saying, hey, you know, we've seen it. Our intelligence says Iran is in possession of a nuclear weapon. All of a sudden, it's like cats out of the bag. Let's use it. So they don't want to risk that. The only time we'll actually ever hear about Iran possessing nuclear weapons is after they're destroyed or after they're used. One or the other. If, if Israel or even the United States or anybody runs an op that takes out Iranian nuclear weapons, then we'll find out, hey, Iran had nuclear weapons. We've been tracking this for a while. We've finally been able to find our, our point, and we blew it up. Or we'll find out when Iran says, hey, we've got nuclear weapons, or if Iran uses their nuclear weapons. That's all there is to it, period. One of those three scenarios. But according to this article, <clears throat> this is from uh, blah, 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 Times of Israel again. A senior fi uh, officer in Iran's Islamic uh, Revolutionary Guard Corps 
that's their elite. Uh, not their. I don't want to call them special forces, but but that's their. Those their. The they're so proud. That's the one you always see on TV. They're very very well coordinated. That's their their big gun, so to speak. A senior officer uh, was killed in an alleged Israel airstrike. Israeli airstrike in the Syrian capital of Damascus. Iranian media reports. Razi Mousavi was, quote, was killed during an attack by the Zionist regime a few hours ago in Zenabaya, a district in the suburbs of Damascus, the official IRNA news agency reports, using a different name for Said Zenab or Sit Zenab, as it is more commonly called, south of the Syrian capital. The Iranians are absolutely furious about this for obvious reasons, and they have vowed to to get more involved to attack Israel as a result. We are much closer to a point of no return than most people realize. Even before this military commander was killed, the Iranians had become a lot more active. On Saturday, the U.S. blamed the Iranians for a drone attack on a chemical tanker in the Indian Ocean. And these, they're talking about, not just Iran, but I mean across the region, um, the Houthis. People are talking about shutting down trade. Now keep in mind, about 10% of the world's trade goes through that area, goes through the Red Sea. 10%, that's a lot for those who don't know. And that could could uh, really have a, a domino effect on the rest of the world. And maybe this is it. You know, maybe we're sitting here thinking, oh, it's going to be a nuclear war. Oh, it's going to be we're drawn into another war in, our, in the Middle East. What if it's just, oh, you know, the, it looks like the conflict in the Middle East is going to get resolved. But before it does, it looks like the world economy, which is already hampered, from a combination of uh, of COVID-19 followed by the Ukraine war, followed by sanctions by the West, followed by awful fiscal policies by both governments as well as central banks. All of this combined with, with 10% reduction in trade, and we're toast. Who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe Western society gets destroyed without a bomb being dropped on us. We will see. Pray that that's not what happens. Uh, on Saturday, they were blamed. Uh, the U.S. has, and this is an article based on an article from Daily Mail, the U.S. has accused Iran of being behind a drone attack on a chemical tanker in the Indian Ocean. The attack on the Chem Pluto on Saturday resulted in fire, though no casualties were, were reported. And again, that was done by a one-way drone. Are you starting to see commonality here? Uh, though Iran has not commented on the attack, U.S. military has said a one-way attack was delivered by a drone fired from Iran. Subsequently, and this is outside of the article, subsequently the Iranians actually threatened to shut down the entire Mediterranean Sea. And again, that would uh, hit about 10%, if I recall the numbers. Iran threatened Saturday that the Mediterranean Sea could be closed if the U.S. and Israel continue crimes in Gaza, state media reported, according to Reuters. The Iranian government has shown uh, support for the militant group Hamas in its war against Israel, while the U.S. has strongly backed Israel, despite growing criticism of the Israeli military's war efforts. Growing criticism. Again, I've said this before and I say this again. As soon as I hear any of these talking heads, any of these these anti-Zionist protesters, any of these politicians or anybody that they're, that are critical of Israel's actions, as soon as I hear one of them, just one, just one of them say, release, Hamas needs to release all all of their hostages, and then there needs to be a ceasefire by Israel. Okay? That's a starting point. That's the bare minimum starting point, and I would not be in favor of a ceasefire at that point, just to be clear. I think that if, if I were in Israel, you know, if I were an Israeli, 
I would want Hamas wiped out. You can't. You got to make sure that they can't do it again. There's only one way to be sure. That's if they don't exist. So if I were an Israeli, I would want that. And I'm not saying that we need to get involved and we need to help them. I'm just saying that as if I were an Israeli citizen, an Israeli politician, an Israeli journalist, that's what I would be calling for. But still, as soon as, back to the point, as soon as I hear just one of them, one of the anti-Zionists say, release the hostages and then engage a ceasefire, then that person, I will... I will uh, give them kudos for at least acknowledging them. None of them do. None of them do. Not a single one of them ever do. They just call for ceasefire. Israel is the aggressor in their eyes. The the terrorist attack was justified in their eyes. This is why I say, you know, these, these it's not they're not pro-Palestine. They're not anti-Zionist. These these kids, these protesters, these idiots, they are proxies of hamas period they and many of them shockingly many of them if given the opportunity would go and join hamas just as there were so many of you oh you know i'm going to go join isis there and this is this would be much much greater there would be much many more people who would want to join hamas than who would want to join isis if the if there was like any any uh whatever you want to call it um uh parody within in the war I don't think they would want to go there now just to die, but um, but if there was again, if there was parody, then I could see <laughs> people, idiots, American citizens, kids, college students, guys and girls, saying, "Oh, you know, we got to go help our brothers and sisters in Hamas." Uh, back to the article. According to the Wall Street Journal, it may take months for the IDF to finish their work in the South. Um, yeah, this, this bottom line is this war is, is going to drag out and it's probably going to get worse before it gets better and it may never get better. It really might not. I'm not trying to be Debbie down here. I'm just saying it might not get better. And chances are it's going to bleed over to us. We're going to to feel the heat, so to speak, here in the United States of America. And that's I'm not talking about from the rioters, protesters, anti-Zionist idiots. I'm talking about we might start feeling the heat as a result of what's happening in the Middle East, even if we're not involved, even if we're not attacked. Just from trade, just from geopolitical tension with other powers, we, we, we still don't know exactly where China stands on this entire issue. They have been... Very hesitant, very uh, very reticent to declare their perspectives. That's a concern. They're always a concern. So, I'm concerned. But I'm not scared. That's the point. We should have hope. Pray to God. Pray to God that we don't get too, too deep into it. So, that's just, uh, that's just the Middle East. <laughs> we haven't even gone outside of outside of the middle east yet and and we're going to have to um it, catherine harridge let me pull this article up catherine harridge over at cbs she is she is right about 30 percent of the time okay she's usually wrong just just to be clear and, and i like her i think that, that her heart's in the right place but i think that she is she is a shill for the pentagon just to be clear i think that she is she works for the pentagon not for cbs news um, but I also think that sometimes she does actually put some truth out there. Unfortunately, it's truth they wanted to put out there, and that should concern us even more. It's not the lies. 
<laughs> okay, it's not the lies that should concern us as much as when they tell us the truth, because that's the part that's that's the scariest. And according to Catherine Herridge, this is an article over at Daily Wire, uh, reporter Catherine Herridge frets over prospects of Black Swan event in 2024. Black Swan event. You know, I never saw the movie. I heard it was crazy. And uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know why I brought that up, but. Uh, but a black swan event in this in this scenario is is even worse. Not just about some crazy ballet dancer. According to the article, Catherine Harris, senior investigative correspondent for CBS News, is raising concerns about a black swan event happening in 2024. The ominous statement aired Sunday on Face the Nation after moderator Margaret Brennan asked members of her panel to share their big prediction for the coming year. Well, mine's a little dark. I just feel a lot of, of concern that 2024 may be the year of a black swan event. And I'm going, you know what? I'm not going to play it. It's, there's not much. I literally told you, told you what you needed to hear. Um, she said a national security event with high impact. It's very hard to predict. Uh, for, currently the divisions and yada, yada, yada are fertile ground for adversaries like North Korea, China, and Iran. It's funny because we've talked about, it's not funny. It's not funny at all, but it's it's unfortunate. We've talked about for a long time. We've talked about Ukraine, Russia, our potential involvement there, and the economic effects of the war and the aid and all that stuff is having having on on Americans. We've talked obviously about the Middle East and how that is having a dramatic effect effect here at home. We haven't even talked about the two countries that have actively and aggressively said they've wanted to to harm us or have, have participated in trying to harm us for years, decades, and that's North Korea and China. And here we are. You know, that's that seems to be the case. But I want to be very clear about something. And I well, I'll be very clear about it in a second. Let me go ahead and finish this up and then I'll uh, then I'll go on my little rant. Uh, the reporter explained that such a national security event with high impact is very hard to predict, given there are a number of global conflicts as well as issues within the United States. <clears throat> there is the key. Issues within the United States, and let's be let's let's say it the way it is. We often talk about geopolitics. We often talk about enemies here, enemies there. But what we've always talked about, at least throughout my entire lifetime, has been enemies there. Okay, we haven't worried so much about enemies here, not since 9/11, and shortly thereafter. Okay, we did have a period of what six, seven years where there was concern. Those six or seven years we're used to to usher in this new surveillance state, usher in the Patriot Act, usher in usher in spying, domestic spying on innocent people. And, and that was, it's it's odd because, you know, we look at what happened and we realize the more that we see how our reactions as a nation were to those events on 9-11, the, the more I become convinced that it really was uh, possibly an inside job. I know that makes me a conspiracy theorist, but hey, no way does Building 7 fall unless there's we're not being told the truth. But, hey, that's a whole other discussion for a whole other day. Point being is that is that we haven't really focused on enemies here. Now, you could even say that the 9-11 and the post-9-11 war, we weren't looking for armies of terrorists. We were concerned about lone wolves. We were concerned about sleeper cells and this, that, or the other. What we're seeing today at the U.S. border that's a huge, much bigger concern. Guess what? Geopolitics out there is now here. We are the center of our own geopolitical threats. We don't have to worry about North Korea uh, firing a nuke. We have to worry about whether all the various North Koreans that are already here, that have been smuggled across the border, 
or the Chinese, or the Iranians, or whoever, any of our various enemies, all of our various enemies, we have to wonder if they're going, what they're going to do to, to try to destroy us. They don't have to, to be able to fire an intercontinental ballistic missile in order to hit us. They can hit us with, with weapons here at home. They can hit us with dirty bombs here at home. And it's not just terrorism. There's, the numbers are getting so bad right now. The numbers of people crossing the border, potential terrorists, potential militants, potential potential just i mean even just additional rioters the numbers are astounding and it's it's i don't i don't want to call it funny because it's not funny it's i don't want to call it uh what what do you call it it's bizarre that's probably the easiest way to put it it's bizarre that it's happening and nobody's doing anything about it i mean and we're not even talking about it very much. This is one of those things where where we should, even us, even you, even me, even America First Patriots, the, this is a disaster that's getting worse every single day. Why don't we have a 10 million man march to D.C. and demand border security? Why don't we have 100 people demanding border security of their congressman or their senator? It's like we 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 tweet about it, we we write articles about it. I do shows about it. But where's the actual action? Nothing's getting done. Okay, with all this crises, all these crises that are happening here and abroad. Let's forget about abroad. Just the crises here, and forget about all the multiple crises. Just the border problem. That alone is a massive existential threat. That alone can destroy the United States of America. We don't have to wait for 2025 or 2026. That can happen today, right now. There are enough. There are enough. I, I don't want to. I want to use the word potential because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to invoke anything too hard. There are enough potential threats already here. I'm not talking about Guatemalan migrants. Not that I mean, and not to downplay them either. I'm just saying. I'm talking about. Military-aged men from Africa, Asia, even many from South America, from nations that hate us, from terrorist nations. I have another story coming up here in a second. 17, I think it is. Let me see. Well, hopefully I, I did save it. I might not have saved it is the unfortunate. I didn't. I didn't save it. I didn't think I would get to it. Um, but oh, I did save it. Yay. All right. Good. Yay me. 17 illegal aliens on FBI's terror watch list encountered in southern border in November alone. Okay. So here's the thing. If there's 17 that were encountered at the southern border, that means there's at least 170 that were not. And, of the, and if there's 170 that were not, you know, from the FBI terror watch list, what about people who aren't on the FBI terror watch list? How many is that? 1,700? 17,000? Just in November alone? Folks, they're here. It's not, oh my gosh, the terrorists are coming, the militants are coming, the war is coming. It's not coming. It's already here. And we have to do something about it. Immediately. Let's go to station identification. I'll be back in, what, 30, 45 seconds, something like that? Stay tuned.
I, you know, I do want to get into the story a little bit. I know, I know it's pretty self-explanatory. Seventeen illegal aliens on FBI's terror watch list encountered at southern border. But I do, I should get into it at least a little bit. Before I do, I just have to say real quick. I often mention gold and silver, and I do that because obviously I have a sponsor. But here's the thing: I don't. If you, if you want to go to my sponsor, awesome. They're a great Christian company, America First company. I fully endorse them. But with that said, if you go to your local coin shop, okay, if you want to go to Costco and get yourself a, a brick of gold, that's fine. It's not as good, but it is fine. Just do whatever it takes to get some if you have the means. Okay, you will want some gold, some silver for whatever happens. You want it backing your retirement because you don't want your retirement to be in these other places that are going to be affected when any of those other threats like central bank digital currencies, you know, ESG, I know that we're we're fighting back against all the wokeness, but but are we winning? Who knows? Maybe maybe we are, maybe we're not. We we can talk about that some of the time. The point is, is that there are risks involved. So you can go to my sponsors at jdrgold.com. That's jdrgold.com and see how they can help you move your wealth, your retirement, your life savings into physical precious metals. Or just like I said, if you have to go to Costco, go to Costco. If you have to go to your, your coin shop, go to your coin shop. And again, this is only if you have the means. This is one of the reasons that I love the retirement aspect of it is because with Genesis Gold Group, they will send you physical precious metals if you want to buy those or even if let's say you, you do let's say you don't have a whole lot of cash but you've got you know an old 401k iras whatever you you want to be able to to put your retirement backed with physical precious metals they'll the the um the depositories they will give you the option when it's time to take distributions they'll give you the option of just sending the, the physical gold and silver to you okay so i mean why not why would you want that converted into fiat currency unless you absolutely needed to? And if you do need to, thankfully, it's pretty darn easy to convert gold and silver into fiat currency if you absolutely have to. And it will be pretty easy, I imagine, considering the central banks are buying up gold and silver, it'll be pretty easy to move your to uh, to liquidate into a central bank digital currency if that's the state we're in at that point. Liquidate from gold or silver into your CBDC if that's the if that's the road that you're going to end up taking, or maybe that's the road that we're all forced to take. Who knows? The point I'm trying to say is this. Get some of it. Now, is it a top priority? No, you got water. Water is a top priority. When, if for most people, most Americans, unless you're like really close to a to a uh, a river or a lake, if they shut off the faucet, and if you if if they sell out of the grocery stores a bottle of water, you are suddenly beholden to FEMA or whoever, you know. And if FEMA's not there, you're beholden to whatever government agency has the water because you can't survive without water for for a while. You can survive without gold or silver. You can't make it three days, really, without water. Food, high priority. Can you make it a couple of weeks, two, three, four weeks? As long as, you, as long as you've got water, sure. What about meds? Everybody has their individual needs with meds. I'm always a big fan. If you have nothing else in your Bible, hey, that's enough for a lot of us. And then, of course, guns, ammunition, being able to protect what you have from the whoever, the roving band of marauders that will be out there trying to get your stuff. Those are all higher priorities than gold or silver. But if you all have that covered, or if, like I said, if you have a retirement account, it's not like you can, you know, hey, I'm going to back my retirement account with ammunition. <laughs> you know, if you already have a retirement account, you might as well go to jdrgold.com and work with this Christian conservative uh, organization <clears throat> that I recommend. But anyway, so this article this is by um, by uh, David Grayson over at the the Gateway Pundit, 
Joe Biden's America, according to data from the Customs and Border Protection, there were 17 illegals encountered in November that were on the FBI's terror watch list. This is just what we know of. The number of terrorists flooding into the U.S. on Joe Biden's watch is much worse than we know. And there's funny, it's, I didn't plan on this, but there's a link right there in the article over at the Gateway Pundit that links to Genesis Gold Group. Yes, even Gateway Pundit, um, Gateway Pundit does, does recommend them as well. According to the Fox News report, though, there were 17 encounters of people between ports of entry at the southern border on the FBI's terror watch list in November, according to data released Friday by CBP. It brings the total of people encountered by the Border Patrol between ports of entry in the watch list to 30 by uh, for fiscal year 24, which began in October. So two months, 30 of them. And again, you can multiply that by, by at least 100 that as far as people we don't know about, people that weren't caught, maybe you can multiply by a thousand. Maybe it's more than that. We don't know. We don't know. And that's the scariest part. The watch list, back to the article, the watch list now officially called the terrorist screening data set because we've got to be politically correct. Why is political correctness even still around? Didn't that get replaced by wokeness? Shouldn't we just call them G or something like that? And I'm not talking about Xi Jinping. I'm talking about the 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 pronoun that the weirdos use. Uh, is the <laughs> if you're one of those G's or J's or whatever, I didn't mean to call you a weirdo, but you are. You're a weirdo. Um, seek help. Seek mental assistance. Yeah. <laughs> the terrorist screening data set is the U.S. database that contains information on terrorist identities and includes not only known or suspected terrorists, but also affiliated of watchlist individuals. That, that's a whole other issue right there. I'm just not a big fan of of a <laughs> guilt by affiliation or approximation or proxies or anything like that. But hey, whatever. Fiscal year 2023 set a record with people encountered at the southern border on the terror watch list with over 160. Compare that to 2022, which had just under 100. So it's going up. In other words, we have no idea. We really have absolutely no idea. Um, I'm not taking a break because I, I know I just got back from a break, but I'm taking a break. I'm going to play this, my interview from last week. I've already skipped one show. If I wait till tomorrow, then it'll probably be too late. I did an interview with John B. Wells. It was audio only. Okay, it was for his, for his uh, radio show. Uh, great interaction there, and I love talking to John B. Wells. I consider him legitimately a friend. We agree, I would say, on, I'll put it at about 90%. Which is extraordinary, okay? To be ideologically aligned with somebody 90% of the time, okay? That's hard, you know? The only person who's who's closer than that is my wife, and just because she's trained me to be ideologically aligned with her. I'm just kidding. I, I trained her, so, so whatever. <laughs> we trained each other. How's that? But let's. I'm going to play that. Um, I think it's like, what, 30 minutes? I don't know. I'm going to play, play that interview just because if I wait too much longer then it will just be too old. So I'll catch you on the other side of that. Well, J.D. Rutter's warmed up and ready to go as we discuss Hunger Games, Reality, Bites, AmericaFirstReport.com, FreedomFirstNetwork.com. Those are his websites. He's a Southern California-based Christian, husband, father, and patriot known for his independent journalism. Spoken with him many times on Caravan. If you're new to the program, you're going to enjoy this conversation very much. He operates several sites, including America First Report, 
holds editorial responsibilities at the Liberty Daily as a publisher of Discern Report and co-founder of Prepper Organics. J.D. Rucker has established a significant presence in the world of independent media and survivalist communities. J.D.'s voice extends to various platforms, including Substack, where he manages America First, America First Report. I thought there was an S on there. I thought it was a phantom S, I thought I saw. America First Report, Late Prepper, and End Medical Tyranny. His work as editor-in-chief at Knock Report, that's N-O-Q Report, showcases dedication to conservative and Christian values, emphasizing a limited government, federalist, perspective, and it's great to be able to bring him on the program again tonight. Welcome back, J.D. Rucker. Thank you for having me again, my friend. How are you doing? Oh, just uh, depending on how I prefer to look at it, just too good for my own good. I'm trying to pull back from that a little bit and just kind of keep it in the middle there, just doing really well. Yeah, it's all right. No complaints. Besides, who would listen, right? (laughs) (laughs) It can't be too good. We have to deal with outrage, especially considering the times that we're in. JD, what's the uh, you 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 got a lot of you got a lot of balls in the air, you know. You you got the you got all these sites and all the stuff that you're doing, all these various things that you're into, and you'll tell us as much about them as you want to. But what is the uh, the brightest blip on your scope, which um, inspires the name Hunger Games, Reality <laughs> Bites? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, Gosh, you know that when you said there's a lot of balls, I thought you were just going to say that I've got a lot of balls, and I thought you were going to We could have stopped there. there. We could have stopped, like, yeah. You know, <laughs> but no. No, I would say we talked a lot, and as far as informing people about what's happening, my role over at thelibertydaily.com is, is the brightest, as you say. It's a site that gets about 11 million uh, visitors a month, and so we're able to get the word out to more people there than I think any of the other other uh, sites that I'm on, whereas what we're doing to actually help, that would be with with my company, a company that I co-own that we're, we're putting out, Prepper Beef, sous vide, freeze-dried beef, so that would be the, the, the company, and uh, and we're, we're thankfully going to be working with you on that as well, very blessed for that to be happening. Me too. But, oh yeah, but as far as what's going to happen in the future, we do have a very strong intention of building up discernreport.com. That's going to be the flagship uh, in the long term, simply because it does have the, it, it's a bit easier on the eyes, I think, than, than the Liberty Daily. And don't get me wrong, I mean, the Liberty Daily, we, we basically base it after Drudge, okay? I mean, it's, it's a Drudge alternative. And that's why it gets so many pages. It's it's kind of like the old Drudge Report, except it's actually conservative. <laughs> it's actually it's unabashedly Christian. It is uh, it's trying to fight the good fight on multiple levels: politics, culture, and faith. So that's where we do get the most attention. But I think the Stern Report is the future. If I have to to pick one or the other. Yeah, this is something. I'm looking at the LibertyDaily.com, TheLibertyDaily.com. Conservatives shouldn't assume the Supreme Court will save Trump. And in red, Taco Jill's press secretary ousted for trying to bring fellow homosexuals back to his room with bribery with Biden down the hall. <laughs> that's what I call some headlines. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, that story is, is insane. And this, somebody was saying today, I think it was, uh, it was, it was either uh, a conservative journalist or it might have actually been a politician saying that they believe there's going to be a lot more of these 
these sex scandals coming out of Washington, D.C. It's kind of, kind of like a tit for tat, uh, no pun intended, where you've got, okay, so this guy's getting outed, so he's going to make sure that this guy over there gets outed, and now another guy's going to get outed. We're on, this is already our third third uh, Capitol Hill sex scandal, or I should say D.C. sex scandal, in what, four or five days? This is insane, and they say that it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Uh, the mud is going to be flung, and I hate to say it, I don't like this. Okay, I really don't. Like, I don't care, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter to me. I don't like talking about sex scandals in D.C. simply because, I mean, it's there. We already know about it. Let's focus on, I don't know, fixing the border. Let's focus on, on feeding the people. Let's focus on getting our troops home. Let's focus on the things that can actually benefit Americans and not, oh, we you know, whose who's sex tape came out this week? It, it's, it, it kills me. Yeah, the, uh, well... I, 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 I don't know, man. That's, I, I was looking at one of the stories you had up there. Uh, for example, Elon Musk, business magnate, investor, CEO of SpaceX, Tesla, and Twitter, now X, reveals the show will be ending after his latest business sparks tension with Martha McCallum. I mean, Martha McCallum, does she even feature anymore? Bless her. <laughs> She's... She is. She is who she is. Look, the, when it comes to media, this is uh, one of the reasons that I do love the Liberty Daily, and I absolutely, positively uh, love listening to your show and other shows like it. I think you'd even noted it might have been in the previous show, or might have been in your opening today. How there are there are plenty of talking heads out there. There are plenty of supposed conservatives, but we really have to focus on independent media because uh, on these quote unquote fringe, that's yep. where the truth is coming out. That's right. That's right. Hold tough, J.D. We've got to take a real quick break here. Everybody, please pay attention to Gil Maza's daily border update. And, and, and pay attention to the first part, too. i got a story about this when we come back. This is Caravan, of course. Stand by. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's a great song. I don't, I, don't, I don't... You know, the only one perfect man walked the face of the earth. That was Lord Jesus, okay? So whatever you think of, of, of President Trump... I think he, I think he was a great president and I hope he comes back and kicks these mugs out. I think he will. I do believe they have. They got the goods on everybody. Timing is everything. From uh, romance to the golf swing to politics to the ejection of communists from our government because that's what we have up there. As we carry on now, full bore. Balls to the wall. That's mixture, throttle and prop for the uninitiated in the aviation game. That's what balls to the wall means. Yeah, the control levers, I got balls on top of me. You push them to the wall, you're ready to take off and land. Well, not necessarily land, pull the throttle back. Uh, JD, let's talk about the late prepper and what motivated you to start that. What, what were you picking up that you felt like laying down through the late prepper? <laughs> It was uh, uh, the election was stolen in 2020, and I thought, oh, crap, I better start getting ready for whatever's to come. Uh, and as I was doing my research, it was there was so much of it there that I thought, hey, I might as well share with everybody else. So late prepper substack was born. Very good. Now, when people go there, what do they get? They get the wealth of knowledge that I've been accumulating in a very short period of time. I am a late prepper. So, but but to try to make up for for the lost years of not being a, a proper prepper, I, I have to tenacious research. And when I learn stuff, I try to share it with everybody else. Everything from trying to keep bugs off your food to getting food to storing water to to where to hide your ammunition and making sure that you got a boat that sank so that they they know that your guns are actually in the in the river somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Now the um, we keep hearing this word community. And on your one of your note pages here, I want to bring up 
you recognize the importance of community learning and preparedness in the face of, well, what appears to be multiple global crises, starting with, you know, food, military action, coronal mass ejections, whatever it may be. But here's the thing. Um, what about community? It seems like we have less community going on, you know, in our whatever locale we happen to be in. All this fear, everybody withdrew, the whole COVID you know, trip that was put on everybody's head. Not everybody like this, but what kind of steps do you take to even form a community? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even if it's a small one. Absolutely. Localization is everything. You know, even when, depending on what the situation is, where the crap hits the fan, we're going to need to be able to, to rely on our local community. And this, the reason I always stress it is because, folks, you can't, you're not going to be able to order from Amazon. You're not going to be able to, uh, to get your, your whatever shipped from across the country. You're going to have to be able to fend for yourself with people that you can trust, which means that today, before the crap hits the fan, it's time to build those relationships. Get to know farmers. Get to know ranchers. Number one, get out of the city. For sure, if you if you're in the city, unless you're absolutely positively stuck there, get out. Try to get to the, a rural area, and then start getting to know people. We pull out the old skills that I think most of us at one point used to have, where we could talk to people without having a mask, where we didn't have to fist bump. We could actually shake hands, and we can get to know people's names and get to know their kids, and maybe even have extended conversations with them. Know the local shop owners. Um, and then find out that there's going to be somebody there. You're going to learn who the, the local community organizer, and I'm not talking about like Barack Obama. I'm saying somebody who actually knows, hey, we got everybody's name, we got their number, we know where they are, um, and if the crap hits the fan, we're going to call everybody and tell them, here's the bunker, here's the place to go, here's where you can get food, bring us this, bring us that. Um, and even localizing the economy, that is so super important. So community, that's all we're going to have left. And with the uh, with the encroachment of high tech, this and that, particularly surveillance, I would add to what you're saying: get a notebook, be responsible, and take care of it. I'm not talking down to you. I'm saying I, I misplace stuff all the time. But then again, if you saw my studio, you'd know why. Because there's gear everywhere and papers everywhere, and there must be a half a dozen legal pads here. But that's okay. I can get to whatever I need to if it if it takes a few minutes. But write it down. Don't put it on your phone. Absolutely. I, I, I suspect that every time it says, oh, we want to update your phone, it's not updating your phone. It's sucking all the data out of it. That's what I think. I don't know this, but I sense it. Somebody I've seen, I believe it was on X today, somebody had noted, I don't understand. I went through and they were able to give me directions to a place that I went to. Apparently, I went there back in 2014 and it remembered that. What is going on here? And I'm like, guys, this has been going on forever. Okay, this has been going on since before Snowden. All right, this whole digital era, do as much analog or as you, you know, I mean, paper as, as possible. Uh, relying on technology is only going to, to harm us in the long term, especially when we consider artificial intelligence, especially when we consider all the various threats, surveillance, as well as being able to literally track every single move you make. No criminal could ever get away in the real world. Okay, they could catch any of them. The, the only reason they don't is because they don't want to give the game away, but they know where we all are. This is why I think it's so very important to try to, to go as analog as possible. All right, let's do ourselves a lightning round here. Please. What are the key factors, according to your analysis, that are driving the real or perceived food shortage and potential crisis? 
So the number one, you got. <laughs> I'll start with the most controversial one because people will object to this. You got DARPA that's going out there and doing their thing and, and causing causing floods, causing this, that, or the other. That's the most conspiratorial. Next most conspiratorial would be the attack on the food system itself. You see the food production plants going up. You see farms farms uh, being sold off, being being burnt down. You've got bird flu, which is moving around in inexplicable ways. Never happened in the, in the history of mankind that we've seen bird flu travel the way that it does. Entire herds of cows are being slaughtered, and nobody knows how or why. They're not, not bleeding. It's not aliens. It's not anything like that. They just die. And then, of course, you have the regulations that are popping up on top of the fact that China and, oddly enough, Canada, on top of Bill Gates and everybody else, are buying up all the farmland in America. The conclusion there is that, yes, and they are coming after the food supply hardcore. And so when you when you when you stock stuff away, obviously what you do is you get more than you need, and as you consume from the front, you replace at the back so that if somebody pulls the cord on the food train, you're stocked up for a while. How long do you estimate people should reasonably prepare to endure a real no kidding food shortage? Yeah. How long is a piece of string? It's, it all comes right. down to a plan. And, and I, am, I am so glad that you started off with that because everybody else is like, you know, I get on these shows and they say, you know, should I buy the, the big buckets of rice and should I get – no, you start with the food that you eat normally and just get into a good rotation and make it last longer. The average American household has two weeks for the food. Make it three weeks, then four weeks, then five weeks. Last thing that you want is to have buckets of long-term storage food that you're busting into after week four because you didn't get the regular food to, to get it first. Make a plan. Get your long, your short-term storage food that you're going to be eating no matter what. Don't change your diet or anything. You know, just just get more of it. Extend it out as long as possible without wasting any of it. Then get more of that medium-term uh, food, such as canned food. I hate canned food. My wife hates canned food. Um, but we have Vienna sausages and SpaghettiOs and, and Campbell's soup for just in case because they can last two, three, five, even longer years. Okay? Once you've got a, yeah. plenty of that, then you go to the long-term storage stuff. Don't start with that like so many of these people are doing. Yeah, they got buckets, but then you look in their cupboards and they're empty. I'm thinking, what are you doing? So make a plan. Figure it out. And as far as how long can you go? Or how long should you go? It's as long as you possibly can within your financial constraints as well as within the, the space that you have. But here's the most important thing, John. The best thing you can do on top of all that stuff is to, if you're not in the city, get yourself a nice large garden, even a little mini farm or a homestead. Get yourself some chickens for an ongoing supply of protein and start producing your own food. Plenty of seeds, plenty of, of food production. Uh, and try to, if you can, live close to a, a river or a lake where you can go fishing. Take care of yourself. Don't, don't wait for the government or even any companies to, to feed you. Yeah, raising chickens in the backyard. Sometimes there are city ordinances against that. And, right. uh, you know, they'll lean on you, give you a fine or something, pay the fine, and just keep doing it. And another note, maybe, you don't have to raid the grocery store and drop a couple of 300 bucks, which is not that hard to do these days, but that's uh, an entirely different matter. Mm-hmm. Just pick up a couple of cans, just swing in, pick up two or three things, take them home. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be one mad, you know, huge expenditure of money all at once. You don't have to do that. No, absolutely. But do it smart. The the worst thing you can do is to get a bunch of food that you're never going to eat. I hate throwing away food. Okay. I hate it. I hate wasting any food at all. It's just too precious. It's part of our lives. We can't live without it. So don't waste it. Don't get too much of any one particular thing. But learn what you can. Do the research. The, the, the huge benefit of the Internet is we can find out, okay, so if it says that its expiration date or its best buy date is now, 
you know, this prepper says that I can actually probably keep it for an extra two years, or this prepper says you can keep it almost indefinitely. Just just make sure you check it and see if there's any any rust on the can, any holes, if it's bulging or anything like that. So get some, you know, learn from the experts, and don't just learn from one. Go to as many as you can and get a consensus, but but be aware of the best ways to to acquire and store food. How do you observe the and then what do you observe as far as social tensions that are that are extant now and maybe increasing in intensity in our country, reflecting the underlying food security issues? I mean, there's there's plenty of stuff at the grocery stores, but still, many families. I mean, I don't mean like a few. I mean like lots of people are suffering from food scarcity. How how does that? How does that even become addressed? I mean, there are food banks. The food banks tap out, and I don't know what I don't know whatever happened to charities and so forth. I guess they're still around, but local charities even. So I don't even know how to frame the question. Well, what do you think is the most serious uh, societal tension that would directly affect uh, uh, food supply? No, absolutely. I, I think it's not just food supply. The biggest concern for me, and this is going to come out of left field, probably for for a lot of your listeners. But the thing that concerns me the most um, was something – it's funny because I actually saw an example of it today. you got uh, Bill Milligan over from Fox News, one of the few people at Fox News that I actually like. And he's interviewing – he's down at the border interviewing a guy that had just crossed the border from, from uh, Guinea. And you know, he says, where are you going? And the guy says, I'm going to Philadelphia. He's like, oh, you got family there? And he, he says, no, I don't know why I'm going there. Says, what do you mean? And he pulls out a piece of paper, and it's just got an address on it. He said, I was just told to go here. The biggest concern for me as far as when the, the, the hammer is going to drop with the food supply are these tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of military-age yes. men that are coming across the border and being placed in cities across the nation. And when the time comes, when, when it's, it's time to activate them, but that's when things are going to really get bad. It's not going to be a steady flow. It's not going to be a, a, a slow buildup. It's going to be a sudden a sudden change in, in the United States of America. That's my biggest concern because the, what are they going to attack? They're going to attack the grid. They're going to. They're not going to go become suicide bombers. Okay, that's not. That's not what's coming across. Maybe some of those are too. What they're going to do is they're going to go take out this power plant, this this uh, box, this farm, burn down this food processing plant, derail this train. Here's instructions on how to derail the trains. It will all happen very quickly. This isn't, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's his name, um, Osama bin Laden planning, planning this out. These are the, the bubbless elite cabal. This is Yuval Noah Harari. Okay, these are the people that want the United States of America to be destroyed. And the army that's going to destroy it is moving its way in. That's why I'm preparing with lots of food. Yeah, and you know, birth rates are down all over the world. China's worried. Russia was worried. Remember when uh, Vladimir Putin declared a, a weekend of lovemaking? We got to have some more Russians. You know, make some babies, mm-hmm. will you? Uh, birth rates are dropping, and yet they say, "Oh no, the planet is overpopulated." When we come back here from this uh, shortish bottom of the hour break with J.D. Rucker and myself, John B., let's talk about how we can undo this. And not only take care of ourselves, but collectively take care of this nation. I'd say start with remove the United Nations. Now, we don't have to get into that with J.D., but I'm telling you, that bunch is bad news. They have fashioned themselves as the government of the world. Oh, well, if the U.N. says we must do it, then we must do it because they're the United Nations and they are important and they are smart. 
But no, they're a bunch of totalitarians. Remember Kofi Annan and his kid and this lunatic Schwab and his pet Harari? I mean, how long are we going to put up with this before we start making noise so loud they can't stand it and they just leave? Then we'll arrest them and prosecute when possible. You think? Am I? That's Muse. I haven't heard that in a long time. As we carry on now for the remainder of the program with J.D. Rucker. I first met him over his knock report. And he's just expanded and expanded and expanded. It's, uh, it's really pretty amazing, actually. It really is now. They don't want you to eat meat. Put down that prime filet and eat your cricket powder. I'm not eating cricket powder. You know, I'll barbecue Klaus Schwab on the spit out there in the yard there before I'll eat cricket powder. That's a little weird, but I think it would be preferable to eating cricket powder. So, why do we talk about meat and J.D. Rucker? <laughs> the, the two go hand in hand from what I've heard. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all over town. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow. All right. I'll, I'll see if my wife is listening to my show. You're the man. When it, co- when, it co- when it comes to high-quality meat, J.D. is the man. That's all there is to it. Tell them why. So you're the man. Better. Yeah. Hey, we try. We try to be the man. So, so everybody's, like you mentioned, the cricket powder. There's also the lab-grown beef. There's the regulations that they're trying. They're even trying to push mRNA vaccines into the beef supply now. It's been in the port since 2018 at the very latest. Um, and nobody knew about that until, like, last year, apparently. So uh, they are trying to push it into the, the beef now as well and chickens, too. So we decided that we were going to, to fight back. We, we found uh, – Texas ranchers that we could trust, ones that we could source, make sure that these were all American cows, and we formed a company. And uh, that company, uh, when, thanks to you and and Brandy, we're, we're able to, to partner with you on this company in a way that I think is, is beautiful. Um, it, is, it is called PrepperJohn.com. That's the, the company's name is Old Cows. But PrepperJohn.com is where they can go, and that is, that is the John B. Wells site that we created. It's designed to offer beef that is sous vide and freeze dried, uh, stored away in mylar bags with oxygen absorbers to make it to where it has a uh, at least a ten year shelf life. USDA says twenty five years, so we go with ten plus years just because I think that that's that's more realistic. But again, it's freeze dried, so it will retain its nutrition. It will retain its protein. It will retain its flavor better than dehydrated or any other uh, any other forms. And you can keep it for an extended period of time. But this isn't the stuff that you get off of the the prepper sites. You know, most prepper sites they sell what's called beef crumbles or or beef chunks. I, I like to think that beef crumbles, if you've ever tried it, it's basically like meat flavored porridge. I'd almost rather eat cricket powder. Um, no, I wouldn't. But still, it's bad stuff. <laughs> right? <laughs> no it offense. Is. <laughs> no offense. I mean, uh, I you know, well, I work with a lot of prepper companies, and I like a lot of the food. I really do. You know, but but the what they do with the beef is, is low quality. We went the opposite route. We we sell ribeye, New York strip, tenderloin, uh, sirloin. We, we original steak. We only take the highest quality cuts because of the way that we figure it. If we're going to, to go through the apocalypse, we might as well go through it eating well, you know. When <laughs> the apocalypse might as well taste good because everything else about it is going to be horrible. So, so yeah, so we designed this company, um, and people can go check it out right now at, uh, at 
dot com, and that will that will tie you back to John B. Wells and and company. Well, this is fantastic, and I thank you very much for doing this because you contacted us and said, "I got I got something for you." I know you're not a vegetarian. I said, "No, I tried it. It didn't work out that well." <laughs> he said, "I want to talk to you about beef." And here it is. I'm just taking from the side very quickly. Americans want great food today, but we also want to have great food to eat if things go south in a hurry. But unlike most companies that take the cheapest, worst parts of the cow and then turn them into these beef crumble that J.D. just mentioned and freeze-dried them in hopes that their customers will never actually try to eat it, his premium beef cubes are sous vide, freeze-dried, and ready to be eaten today or in a decade. I mean, the shelf life is 10 to 25 years, and it tastes good. It's, there's no lab-grown meat, no bugs, or I'm sure there's something worse out there, but there's none of that involved here. Yeah. Prepper John, I kind of like that handle. Hattie, I'm Prepper John. You're not going to forget mm-hmm. it anytime soon, that's for sure. I met this character named Prepper John. <laughs> It could be worse. We should we should start a show, the Prepper John Show. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah. Oh, and we also set up a promo code uh, for your your listeners today. Uh, promo code. Guess what? Guess the promo code. Yes, it's John B. Promo code John B. Fifteen percent off. Because this, I mean, granted, look, this stuff is expensive. We get it. You know, people say, oh, but I can buy beef crumbles for like sixty bucks. Yeah, but but. Yeah, you can't actually really do much with it. With this stuff, we have people that are actually buying it every single month, and they're eating it. And I, I call them. I'm like, "Are you? You know, you keep buying more. Are you stocking up?" And this one lady was like, "No, I actually we we do this on Tuesdays and Thursdays." I'm like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "That's that's stew night and chili night. It saves me time." Um, and keep in mind, this is just beef. We don't put any preservatives. We don't even put salt. Like literally, there's one ingredient. It's just beef. And it's Texas beef. It's beef from from cows that were born and raised in Texas, eating grass, and uh, and then we kill them and we we chop them up and uh, put yeah. them in bags. So. Well, that's life, you know. And uh, they haven't been injected with everything weird in the world either. No, absolutely not. And we've uh, our CEO uh, has said and he had a hard conversation with us because he was talking to the uh, the ranchers, the cattlemen. Uh, associations in Texas, and he's like, they, they're all thinking that, that it's coming, that within the next couple of years, that they're going to be mandated to put the mRNA jabs into the, the cattle um, in Texas. And this is why, so number one, he said, we're never going to do that. We'll shut down the company before we ever do that. But number two, we're looking at Idaho and Utah as possible places to have locations number two and three, because, you know, if we spread out, then hopefully as they as they drop state by state, we'll be able to, to win the lottery and pick the last state standing. Um, otherwise, we're just rushing in and getting as much of it out there as possible. Fantastic. It, it really is fantastic. I mean, right on time, too. I'm not blowing smoke down the mic, down the cable, and into the air here. This is a great idea. You're going to like looking at the site, too, folks. No kidding. They're accurate, really uh, nice photographs of the product, uh, mm-hmm. the packaging and everything, and it's just uh, it's just excellent. We had a real quick story on that. We had a, a marketing company that's like, it's like, why are you using real photos? Can't you do it me while it's raw or while it's cooked? And so, no, dude, we want to, we want people to know exactly what they're getting. Freeze dried beef, it's, it retains its quality. Okay. It retains its, its, uh, its integrity. It retains its nutrition. It retains its flavor. It doesn't always look the best, but. That's before before you you reheat it. Once you rehydrate it, you throw it in stew, you throw it in beef broth, or just in hot water. Um, that's when it starts to look better. But the the uh, ingredient, it's not blood that makes it red. By the way, the the chemical that makes uh, red meat red, it gets 
sucked out with the freeze drying process. That's why the meat looks brown, but it's still it's it tastes and, and it's exactly like regular regular beef that you throw on a grill. Maybe about we'll call it ninety percent because you do obviously lose some quality with the freeze drying process, but it's not the type. I mean, compared to any other option out there, even canned. You know, anybody's ever had those those big things of canned beef. I I actually don't mind them, but it's not the same taste as fresh beef, whereas ours, um, it really legitimately is. So we're, we're very proud of it. And the thing is, folks, seriously, uh, as, as we are most of the time, unless we're obviously trying to be either sarcastic or humorous, the, the products that are being offered to you, and I'm so happy that, that uh, you contacted us with this because I didn't know you were doing it, you know. And uh, But now I do, and I thought, I said, this is a great idea. So, you know, a little bit of time went by, and here we are. But here's the thing, folks. We don't offer things to you that are meant to be just bought. They're meant to be good. The idea is to help our people, you, succeed, not just survive. A cricket can survive. A cockroach can survive a nuke, they say. Well, that's not the idea. I don't want to live like a cockroach. I want to live like a human being. I want to eat well, and you and you can do it. So uh, I, I just can't commend you highly enough for what you've done here. I mean, this is like <laughs> you woke up one morning and went, you know what I'm going to do? I, I, I'm going to I'm going to make sure there's no mRNA in the meat, the beef that we're going to provide to people. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I greatly appreciate that. It really means a lot coming from you, my friend. Um, one more quick note, and then, then I'd be happy to talk about And you even mentioned the United Nations. I could say anything about the United Nations, the World Economic Council for Inclusive Capitalism. I like talking about anything. But one more quick note. Next year, we are going to be – I just had the first taste test. Um, we are going to be selling freeze-dried bison, and I'm making that announcement on your show for for the first time, we're, we're going to be, uh, we, we found a, uh, a bison rancher who, who cut us a good enough deal and, uh, promised that he shared our, our values. We are a veteran owned company. Um, two of my partners, both of them are combat disabled veterans. And so, so they, uh, they, they hit it off because this rancher was too. And now we're going to be offering freeze dried bison. It'll probably be maybe February or March. Maybe a little bit later than that, but that's coming too. And that, for those who aren't familiar with bison, it is it's got a lower fat content, a higher protein content than beef, and so some people prefer it. Um, my wife does; she actually prefers it over over beef, which which I think is odd because she doesn't like lamb or anything like that, but she loves bison for some reason. So we're excited about that. I taste tested it uh, three four days ago, and I was like, "Yep, let's let's we're doing this. <laughs> Make it so." You know, when bison is available, I'll buy it. Otherwise, I'll, I'll buy the, the highest grade of beef that, uh, that I can find at the uh, grocery stores and make chili from it. And i got to mm-hmm. tell you, I really prefer bison chili. Now, that's just me personally, but uh, make some good old Texas chili, you know, put some buffalo in there. That bison tastes real good. Bison burgers, woof. It's excellent. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but traditionally, a- I'm, a beef, I'm a beef man. Sorry, go ahead. 
I don't know. I was just going to say, it's funny you mentioned bison chili and bison burgers. There's a restaurant. I, it's been so long since I've flown. I used to fly two or three times a month through Denver. Now I don't fly at all. But there's a restaurant there in the Denver airport, um, or as we like to call it in, in, the, in the conspiracy theory world in, in uh, Seton's airport. Um, but there's this restaurant there that serves bison chili and bison burgers. Those are their two things, and they're both absolutely fantastic. I go there, or used to go there, for every stop in Denver. Yeah, nobody's doing much flying these days. It's uh, it just seems to be you know by the time you go through it all, you can almost wish you'd walked. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just it's just uh, it's just silly. Now, you know, I, I I put this out over back during the coast days that it's you know the G's gear, grub, guns, God. Is actually the front of the list, and which will result in guts. That's my 5G. And um, I know you don't know this. I know you don't have a crystal ball, but just as you read things, and I mean, just as a fellow human being, just a, just a, just my fellow man, and my my close acquaintance. You know, really, we've become friends now because we've we've known of each other and then actually known each other for some years now. Mm-hmm. What do you think is is just the most likely scenario? I mean, with the, when you when you take the invasion, what do we not see in here? We got the invasion. It's nothing but an invasion, and uh, and every time I get a piece of information, particularly from uh, Mr. Yan down there on the border, mm-hmm. it's something like this: the ICE. Uh, what is it? Uh, what's uh, like, what's the abbreviation? What does it stand? What does ERO stand for? I can't remember. Removal um, enforcement removal office. ICE ERO is the office that deals with aliens that we prosecute. Border mm-hmm. Patrol source says Border Patrol in California is flying invaders to Texas. Invaders is the word that the source used. Yep. So when we take into account how many people are coming in here and this insane government, and just forget about Ukraine. I mean, you forget about China for, for, for right now. Just what do you think is the next shoe to drop and how far off do you think it might be? I mean, knowing that this is just an estimate and nothing more. Absolutely. And then, as you know, I don't like to, to choose dates, but I will say this. There is a bit of clarity that we're starting to see. Like the, You can always look forward and, and see sort of the hazy picture, the cloudy picture, uh, the darker picture. But I think perhaps now more than ever, we do get a pretty good idea. We don't know necessarily the how, but we do know we have a really good idea of the what. So the what will look like this. Starting in 2024, we're going to see an increase in the tension between, you know, they're trying to stoke as much tension between the left and the right. They're even stoking tension between people on the right with other people on the right and the left versus the left. And it's just everybody's starting to hate each other. And it's all intended to reach the crescendo during the 2024 election, if there even is an election. Um, but whatever the triggering event is, which will be folks around the election, that's going to cause things to go to, to hit a chaos level that I believe is far beyond what we saw with the whole George Floyd shenanigans. Okay. So we're going to start have this either have the election, which will no matter who wins, it's going to, to be lighting a powder cake or we won't have an election. In which case, again, the aforementioned powder cake gets lit. 2025 is going to be hellacious, but I do believe in because of, of fighting, because I would, I can imagine martial law. And I want to be clear. I'm not trying to say this as some sort of fear monger. I pray that I'm wrong about this. I don't want this to be correct, but everything seems to be pointing in the direction that they're going to try to take us down in 2025 and 2026. Those are the two pivotal years. 
And then from there, we don't even know what the world would look like. So trying to speculate on what that's going to to manifest as is is futile. But we do know, as everybody keeps talking about Agenda 2030 and Agenda Agenda 2050. You know, I don't, I, I couldn't imagine things being uh, normal before. And you know, by the time, well, we're not going to get to 2050 um, unless things change dramatically. Now, there's two caveats to all this. Number one, God's in control, so I could be very, you know, no matter what the signs say, if God says something completely different, then that's that's what's going to happen. And so we can't, we, there's no way we can assume to know what's, what uh, direction we're going just because of the direction that we're heading right now. Uh, we don't know what's really going to happen. And God could decide, you know what, let's go ahead and, and uh, push this off a decade. Let's push this off 100 years, a millennia. Whatever he wills, that will be done. But number two, we do have an opportunity now, now, today, to start alerting people. This is why, you know, when it comes to, to prepping, they say, you know, the first rule of prepping is never tell anybody about your preps. I say that's wrong. I say now more than ever, we need to let people know, number one, yes, we're prepping. Number two, so should they. And prepping could be, you know, it doesn't have to be going out to the wilderness and building a, a, an off-grid cabin. It can be just as simple as, like you said, getting your guns, getting your, your ammunition, everything that you need, getting prepared any way that you can, because here's what I want. I want as many Americans as possible to not be beholden to government. If that means, you know, and I don't care how patriotic somebody is, they can have a pictures of, of, of Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump above their bed, and they could, they could kiss each, all three of them uh, every night before they say their prayers. But if it comes down to it, and they don't have any food, and they don't have access to food, or they don't have any water, or they don't have any electricity, and they're told by this, this, uh, this tyrannical government that's forming around us, they're said, hey, you know, we'll supply you with your food, your water, everything you need. You just need to, to bend the knee, take the jab, um, and promise not to do anything crazy on social media. And here's your central bank digital currency. And now we're moving you to a 15-minute city. And these patriotic Americans that today are saying they wouldn't do that, if they're not prepared, they're going to say, oh, well, I guess, I guess we'll have to do it because we don't have a, the only other choice is to die. I want people to be prepared so that they can be completely self-sufficient. So if they need to, to head for the hills or head to a nice community or head wherever, they're not stuck depending upon government or the public-private partnerships that are forming around us. And if we get enough of those people together, we can fight the good fight. And I think it's possible that we could possibly win, Lord willing. And if we can't win, if we are defeated, then at least we'll have people that will be there to help us rebuild when when the the dust finally settles if it does settle lord willing so we'll see that's my that's my i wouldn't say it's a bold prediction i think everybody a lot of people see this coming i just don't think that things are on their current trajectory are going to get any better before they get way way worse over the next two or three years you know what'll happen in a long enough timeline jd is that if they bring in all these people and a good bit of the what i would call the indigenous populum uh, of the United States, the demographic as it exists even now, with uh, I think Spanish is spoken at home in 25% of the uh, the households just in Texas. But you know what will happen. You bring a bunch of Afghans in, well, they're not necessarily going to get along with the Chinese who aren't necessarily going to get along with the Somalians who aren't necessarily going to get along with the Mexicans or the Brazilians or any of the other hundred and some odd countries that these people are coming from. So what will happen is it will balkanize You'll have these little, little pockets which are hostile to each other. Uh, it, and the cycle will, will continue just as it has now, just as it has in Eastern Europe for 
the better part of a century. Unbelievable, you know? We can't let this happen. Yeah. Well, we may not have a choice. Look, I'm a fighter. I want to keep fighting. I will fight to the bitter end. But we also have to prepare for the possibility that that we don't win at least this round, at least this battle. We have to be ready for just in case. We really do have to head for the hills. I hate to say that because I'm the kind of guy that I want to go. You know, I'm, I was there with, with 12 people protesting the masks in front of a city hall when there's 15 15 uh, uh, media members watching us and laughing at us because we couldn't get enough people to go out there to a city hall to say we don't want these mask mandates. We don't want these lockdowns. This is right in the early days. So I will fight. You know, and that's, that's a minor example. I'm sure people do far more than I do. I'm not saying, oh, look at me. I went to a protest. What I'm saying is this, is that I don't want to give up, and I'm not going to give up. But I have to be, and I think we all need to be prepared for the possibility that um, our best our best course of action is to be ready to retreat if necessary. Because in the situation that you just laid out with with America essentially burning, we're going to have a hard enough time just defending our families. How are we going to defend the nation? So I say make sure that your family is defended. Make sure you're defended. Then worry about your community. And if enough of us do those things, then we can save the nation. But otherwise, uh, you know, if, if we're going to be marching on to D.C. To, to protest, what, the World Economic Forum? Is Klaus Schwab going to care? Are we going to go protest the World Health Organization? What, what can we possibly do to stop the pandemic treaty from coming through? We can't do anything. Are we going to, to grab a bunch of our friends and go down to the border and stop the border invasion? Because we know that Joe Biden's not going to do it. We know that, that sure, the Republicans are, are at least pretending like they're doing something. But will they really? I mean, if the government doesn't shut down, one of two things has to happen, okay, in, 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 the, in next month. Either the border is closed or the government is shut down. If neither of those two things happen, that will tell us immediately. This is the Republican Party really isn't serious at all. That they really aren't on our side at all. Well, let's just be ready for anything, as as much as we can conceive. Just make ready for what's to come, whatever it may be. But uh, step number one is preserve yourself. God bless you and your family. I wish you happy holidays, Merry Christmas, a happy new year. Thank you very much for in, in, including us in this fantastic program. PrepperJohn.com, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not kidding you either. J.D., thank you so much for coming on tonight. Let's talk again soon, all right? Absolutely. Thank you, and God bless you, brother. God bless you, sir. You know, John B. Wells really does have the coolest voice in media. If I had his voice, I would be so much cooler than I am now. And I'm already pretty darn cool. At least that's what what my, my mom would tell me. <laughs> Let's finish it. We got a couple more stories. We will be done for today. Story came out of NewsNationNow.com. Unproductive Congress passed just 27 bills in 2023. According to the article, Congress passed those 27 and held 724 votes, obviously mostly show votes. Passing an aid package that includes immigration reform is a top priority. Congress also faces two government funding deadlines in January and February. Now, this article positions this as if this is bad news, that they are unproductive. Unproductive Congress just passed only 27 bills in 2023. Folks, (laughs) let me tell you something. The fewer bills that Congress passes, the better. Okay, you don't want Congress passing bills. It seems as if every time they pass a bill, something bad happens. And that's obviously by design. But they do bring up in this article about immigration reform being a top priority. Listen, we need the borders closed, period. Okay, I'm talking not just 
illegal aliens. We need legal legal immigrants to no longer be coming into the nation until we can get our current problems fixed. And keep in mind, I am a legal immigrant. Okay, I believe in legal immigration, but not when we've got tens of thousands of people that we know of crossing over illegally every single day. This is untenable. This cannot be allowed to continue. This is our top priority as a nation. This is our greatest threat as a nation. And here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'll go ahead and make a bold, well, not so bold, but at least a statement. If the government is funded, again, in January and February, and they, they broke it up into two, to two different parts. If the government is funded again and the border is not just completely revamped, I, I won't say they have to close it all the way down or else I'll, I'll rebel, but anything short of massive, massive action to stop the hemorrhaging, to stop the invasion, or at least slow it down dramatically. And if that's not included, then I'll go ahead and say it. Mike Johnson is, is a uniparty swamp. He's the, the Bible-thumping wing of the uniparty swamp. And I know that's harsh, but you got to show me something. That's just my take. Last story of the day, though. It should be a fun one, I think. Um, I, I'm going to have fun with it, that's for sure. It's, it comes from Breitbart. This is actually last week, but it's important to, we should hopefully, Lord willing, we will start finally ramping up the investigations into the Biden crime family and the probes and the charges. Hopefully they will start ramping up dramatically. But we did have, according to Breitbart, uh, Wendell uh, Husebo over there, Noted last week that we have top, these are the top five revelations from Biden family probe in 2023, the Biden crime family, as I like to call them. According to the article, House investigators worked overtime in 2023 to investigate the massive web of wire transfers, 20 shell companies, and associates who helped the Biden family business raked, rake in at least $24 million from foreign nationals over the course of approximately five years. So let's be clear, okay? That's just what they've investigated, what they found. Very similar to so many other numbers, so many other statistics that come out of Washington, D.C. This is the tip of the iceberg. They say over five years. What about the last 50 years? Biden, Joe Biden has been corrupt, and James Biden, for that matter, have been corrupt throughout his entire political career. And yes, that spans about 50 years, unfortunately. $24 million, tip of the iceberg. Not even close. I would say that you need to multiply that by a factor of bare minimum 10, it could be in the billions of dollars, folks. Over the years, I would not be shocked if corrupt deals, side deals, favors have accounted for billions of dollars to the Bidens that are money that's that's stuffed away somewhere. And now, I don't think that's the case. If I were to, to make a guess, I would say tenfold is about accurate. I would say, yeah, about a quarter billion dollars. That seems to be what what the Bidens have probably, probably corruptly, quote unquote, earned in the, these years, these decades. But hey, we, we, we've got 24 million. That's not a small amount of money. It's enough to hopefully get something. And I'm when I say something, I want something big. I don't want to just, you know, minor conviction and then Hunter Biden gets pardoned anyway. I want something real. So let's start with this list. Number one, James Comer. Joe Biden received, uh, according to James Comer, congressman, Joe Biden received $40,000 in China money, again disguised as a loan repayment. Joe Biden received $40,000 in laundered CEFC China Energy Company money in 2017. Again, he's out of office at this point. From the account of his brother, James Biden, and sister-in-law, Sarah Biden. 
once again in the form of a personal check labeled as a loan repayment. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer uncovered this in November. Number two, again from Comer. FBI tipped off Hunter Biden to interview confirming IRS whistleblowers. FBI officials tipped off Hunter Biden in the Bureau's criminal probe of him and told a former FBI supervisor, special supervisory special agent to stand by and not approach him. Comer announced in July confirming key portions of the IRS whistleblower's allegations. And don't forget, this FBI whistleblower was allegedly uh, discredited, debunked, you know, uh, by combination of corporate media and government agencies, the deep state, and of course the never reliable fact checkers that are paid by George Soros and, and other media bad guys. According to this upon sitting for a transcribed interview with the committee, the former FBI agent uh, told the committee that FBI officials in December 2020 tipped off both the Secret Service. There's a gnat here. Why is there a gnat in my studio? I need to, to get the gnat killer. Anyway, uh, tipped off both the Secret Service and the Biden transition team about a scheduled interview about its criminal investigation into Hunter Biden. That's something that you don't do right there, right off the bat. That is criminal. Okay, you don't tip off. Hey, we're criminally investigating. My gosh, this uh, I think the Bidens might have put put a uh, killer gnat in my room because it was not here before. And we sweep we really do sweep the studio with uh, yeah, we'll call it bug disinfectant. Uh, so that's that's not good. Not good. Why is there a gnat in my room? I'm calling deep state shenanigans. Anyway, continuing. Number three, again from Comer. Uh, and almost all these come from Comer, except for a little bit that comes from Grassley. Uh, Joe Biden received direct monthly payments from Hunter's Owasco PC business account. And for those who aren't familiar, the Owasco PC business account was basically a shell company that was used to say, hey, yeah, we're doing stuff. Pay us here and pay us here. And once we pay you, pay us here, it's going to go pay this shell company, which will go in this guy's account, which will eventually get funneled back to, to, to the big guy. Funneled back to the big guy uh, through, as, a, as a loan repayment. Because, you know, Joe Biden, I mean, he was just loaning all of his family members' money. They had to have a big family. They had to have lots of kids and lots of grandkids because they needed different names and different social security numbers to, to put behind these different shell companies. Number four, uh, Comer names the nine Biden family members who got business payments. And let's be clear. Nine of them is a lot, or it seems like a lot. It's a lot more than that. We're not even, we're not even, tip of the iceberg, tip of the iceberg, folks. Much bigger than that. In May, Comey named the previously undisclosed Biden family members who received payments from the family's foreign business ventures. Comer described all nine family members as related to Joe Biden, including Hunter Biden, James Biden, Sarah Jones Biden, Haley Biden, Kathleen Buell, uh, that's Hunter's ex-wife, Melissa Cohen, two children of the Joe Biden's, um, uh, of Joe Biden's son and Joe Biden's brother's child. And of course, they're, <laughs> they're so young, they can't even be named. My gosh, the corruption in this family. Last but not least, this one comes from Chuck Grassley. Uh, he released FBI record alleging VP Joe Biden uh, foreign bribery schemes. Senator Grassley released an FBI information uh, informant record in July that alleged Joe Biden and Hunter Biden each received $5 million from Mikolaj Lashevsky, the founder of Burisma Holdings, that Burisma Holdings, after Joe Biden threatened to withhold aid to Ukraine until President Petro Poroshenko fired a prosecutor investigating Burisma. Nothing suspicious. 
about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, that is it for today's show. Be sure to check out our wonderful sponsors at Genesis Gold Group by going to jdrgold.com. Lord willing, I will be back very soon with another episode. But in the meantime, you all stay strong, stay safe, and God bless.